When you use a website that requires you to create an account, you're immediately putting some level of trust into the owners of that site. It's a trust that your email address and password will be safe, and that what you do on that site won't be explicitly shared unless you want it to. You're trusting that they are going by industry standards and building out their platform safely and reliably. This is even more so the case with sites where someone might be doing things that are, say, a bit promiscuous, maybe even unethical, or borderline illegal. Well, in 2015, a site that's tagline was, Life is short, have an affair, proved that life was indeed short. In fact, it was too short apparently to care about buttoning up their security. So come with me as we dive deep into the world of internet affairs, shady executives, and blatant disregard for users. My name is John Cortis, and today I'm inviting you to join me on this trip where I'll explain what the shell happened with the Ashley Madison hack, and why it's probably a little crazier than you remember it being. Let's take a beat real quick, because some of you might not know exactly what Ashley Madison is. In case you didn't really pick up on it from a tagline of life is short, have an affair, the site helps married individuals have affairs on their partners for the use of an online dating app. The site is operated out of Canada and has been around since 2002. It's entirely possible that this website is older than some of my listeners at this point, which is crazy. Where I'm from, it's almost old enough to drink. The site has faced a lot of controversies over years stemming from its unethical business, but what we're here to talk about today isn't that side of it. We're here to talk about something that really brought them to the front and center of the media for a little while. We're here to talk about how they got hacked. Bad. So let's set the stage here. I'm going to briefly put you in the role of an employee at Ashley Madison. It's July 12th, 2015. If you're coming off any weekend movie plans, you probably just saw either Terminator Genesis or Magic Mike, the two movies that were dominating the box office at that point. But when you get into work today, something is a little bit different. There's a bit of a commotion around the office. People are panicking and looking like they've got no idea what's going on. So you make your way to your desk, and just as you're sitting down, it all comes together for you. What you see isn't your usual desktop login. It's a message. And as you look around, you might see that it's a message that's currently on everyone's screen. And that's when you hear something. There's a song playing. In fact, you know it. I know it, we've all heard it if we've been to any kind of sporting event. It's Thunderstruck by ACDC. The message that's accompanying this, well, it's said that unless the owners of Ashley Madison shut the site down, they were going to have client data leaked to the public. Now, we've had situations like this before in previous episodes. Hackers will get in and try to extort the people they're going after for money, but this isn't that. There's no ransom demand beyond stop. The hackers call themselves the impact team. They've got an agenda, and they want to see it through. And in interviews since, they claim to have been on the network for several years at this point already, deciding that now was the right time to act. After all, Ashley Madison had just crossed around 37 million users, I think, at the time. So Ashley Madison went about their day, started their security investigation. They needed to figure out whether or not this was legitimate. And over the coming week, there wasn't really much movement. The site remained up, and things just kept going on as usual for the users, because the Impact team didn't take it offline. They just sent the ransom note. So after a week, they took the pressure to the internet and made it public. They posted their warning message and sort of a manifesto on Pastebin, 
Pastebin is a site that's frequently used for large data dumps and is fairly easy to post anonymously from. I've got the message that the employees saw as it appeared on their desktops on my website, whattheshellpod.com, but I'm going to read it out for you, and this is a little bit of a longer one, so I'll try to provide context where I can, and I'm going to add a little bit of a manifesto too. It starts, quote, AM and EM must shut down immediately, permanently. That's AM for Ashley Madison and EM for Established Menton, which is sort of like a sister site to it. It goes on to say that we are the impact team. We have taken over all systems in your entire office and production domains, all customer information databases, source code repositories, financial records, and emails. That's them just establishing that there's no part of the office that they haven't left untouched. They've got ownership over everything that's important, and they've got the entirety of the customer databases, the source code behind the website, and pretty much every transaction that's ever occurred. Going on, it says, shutting down AM and EM will cost you, but non-compliance will cost you more. We will release all customer records, profiles with all the customer's secret sexual fantasies, nude pictures, and conversations matching credit card transactions, real names and addresses, and employee documents and emails. Avid Life Media will be liable for fraud and extreme harm to millions of users. And in case you're wondering, that was the message to Avid Life Media, the parent company here. Now we're going to get to a little bit of that manifesto that they posted. It said, Avid Life Media runs Ashley Madison, the internet's number one cheating site for people who are married or in a relationship to have an affair. ALM also runs Established Men, a prostitution and human trafficking website for rich men to pay for sex, as well as Cougar Life, a dating website for cougars, Man Crunch, a dating site for gay dating, Swappernet for swingers, and The Big and the Beautiful for overweight dating. Trevor, ALM's CTO, once said, quote, protection and personal information were his biggest critical success factors and that he'd hate to see his systems hacked and or the leak of personal information. The Impact team had one message out for him, and it was, quote, Well, Trevor, welcome to your worst f***ing nightmare. We are the Impact team. We have hacked them completely, taking over their entire office and production domains and thousands of systems, and over the past few years, we have taken all customer information databases, the complete source code repositories, the financial records, the documentation, and emails, as we are proving here. And it was easy. For a company whose main promise is secrecy, it's like you didn't even try. Like you thought you had never pissed anyone off. Avid Life Media has been instructed to take Ashley Madison and established men offline permanently in all forms, or we will release all customer records, including profiles with all your customers' established sexual fantasies and matching credit card transactions, Real names, addresses, employee documents, and emails, the upper websites, they can stay online. So far, Avid Life Media has not complied and will be liable for fraud and extreme personal and professional harm from millions of their users unless Ashley Madison and establishment are permanently placed offline immediately. Our one apology is to Mark Steele, the director of security. You did everything you could, but nothing you could have done could have stopped this. This is your last warning. That was a lot, but it was still just a glimpse at what they posted. It goes on and on and really gives you a glimpse into their motivations here and how they will not take no for an answer on it. But let's break it down a bit. We know their goals. They want the entirely unforgivable side of Avid Life Media to be shut down. You'll notice that they don't ask for a shutdown of all the other sites. 
presumably just the ones that they deem to be over-relying. But what did they mean when they said that Avid Life Media will be liable for fraud and harm of their users? Well, I think part of a message is the harm that they've built by potentially crumbling marriages, but even more so, the practice of their quote, paid delete service. You see, this wasn't a site that you could just delete an account from. No, if you wanted all your identifying information to be taken off of this website, you had to pay Ashley Madison to remove it, which is insane to me. Now, in my personal opinion, that's scummy as all hell. And since this has happened, there have been laws put into place to help avoid this, but at the time, you're essentially being fiscally coerced if you had an account to pay up if you wanted to avoid getting found out at some point, and people did. They got a lot of users to actually pay up to have their accounts deleted. So it's a profit for them. And at this point, there's technically no fraud yet, but what the impact team found was that they never actually deleted that data entirely. So they've established that users are now paying for a service that was not given to them. And how did they prove it? Well, at the time of the manifesto post, they also released two of the records that they'd accumulated. One was from a man from Brockton, Massachusetts, and one from a man located in Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The latter being someone that explicitly paid to have their account removed completely. So yeah, not complete, not removed, out in the open. That's just a glimpse of what the data that was put out there was too. I'm not going to talk about any specific people because that would be insanely unethical, but identifying traits were put out there, names, addresses, and sexual fantasies for these two men. So they were immediately put out into the open. It established that it wasn't just basic information, that the dump included names, encrypted passwords, emails, marital status, and the laundry list of sexual fantasies that the users had. It's essentially a marriage ender in a bottle here. And if you thought that maybe the Impact team might have had any kind of remorse for the people that they were throwing out into the open on this, they didn't. They kept on going in their manifesto to say, quote, too bad for those men. They're cheating dirtbags and deserve no such discretion. And too bad for ALM, you promised the secrecy but didn't deliver. We've got the complete set of profiles in our database dumps, and we'll release them soon if Ashley Madison stays online. And with over 37 million members, mostly from the US and Canada, a significant percentage of a population is about to have a very bad day, including many rich and powerful people. At the end of this, they'd go on to give Ashley Madison 30 days to shut down. So now, at this point, it's right around July 19th, July 20th, and news sites are starting to pick up on this. It's out in the open, and people are circulating it like crazy. Now, if Ashley Madison wasn't going to work with the Impact team, maybe they'll work with the angry users and the media. Maybe that will be enough to push them over the edge. But Ashley Madison, at this point, also put out a statement for the media. It's pretty boilerplate saying that they're aware of a breach and working to resolve the issue. They apologize to all their customers for a breach in confidentiality and the intrusion into their information. And at this point, it's when they brought in an external cybersecurity firm to help investigate the breach. When talking to Brian Krebs, a security researcher and journalist, the Ashley Madison chief executive Noel Biederman said that we're not denying this happened. Like us or not, this is still a criminal act. And he's got a point there. Technically, what they're doing is, no matter how you view it, still legal. And this is still a crime. At this point, I think it's fair to call it hacktivism. And it's becoming more and more clear that Biederman doesn't want to play ball. 
You're going to go through the motions of everything that says they have the utmost intention of staying online. They're investigating the breach, trying to clear it off their network. Nothing's been said about a shutdown date for a website, so everything points to this just being a speed bump for them. And wouldn't you know it, the month comes and goes, and guess what? On August 18th, 2015, a big old Time's Up post hits Pastebin. This dump of information is substantial, with a capital S. This data dump was a torrent file with 10 gigs worth of data. It contained email addresses and information that left the company and media outlets scrambling immediately to try and confirm its legitimacy. This data dump was located on the dark web, which means you could only get to it using an Onion address accessible through a specific browser and VPN. The things included in this? Well, there were login names and passwords like we said, seven years or so of credit card and transaction details, and more. Now, what's interesting here is that this data dump contained the details of around 32 million users, but the group claimed to have the information of about 40 million at that time, so they still haven't dropped the full picture yet. And to temper a little bit of expectations here, 32 million users does not necessarily mean 32 million real people. Some of them could have been fake accounts, bots, or spy accounts of people trying to find out if their significant other was on the website. One thing that was of note is that the site didn't require any kind of email verification, so that meant that you could give fake emails and still get an account set up. That means it's ripe for bot creation and fake accounts. One thing that might shock you is that 15,000 or so of these emails were either .gov or .mil addresses, so government agencies or military branches. Again, that doesn't mean that all 15,000 are legitimate, but it's hard-pressed to believe that they're 100% fake, which means some people are doing something that they really shouldn't be doing and using their government or military email addresses to do explicit activity, we'll call it. With those account credentials also came password hashes in the form of a bcrypt algorithm. Ambitious hackers, while needing to devote some time and resources here, would eventually be able to crack some of the passwords and get access to chat logs, pictures, and more. I think all in all, around 11 million of these passwords are cracked. And not only that, but they'd be able to take those usernames and passwords and add them to whatever internal database they have that they might want to sell. After all, we all know everyone uses a completely different user email and password for each and every website that they visit, right? There's no such thing as using the same password in different places. Let's just say hackers would have a field day getting more access than just Ashley Madison. And with that dump, the Impact team also let out one other revelation which was that roughly 90 to 95% of the users here were male. And they went on to taunt the men saying that chances are they just signed up but never actually had an affair. They just tried to and failed miserably. Not that that distinction really mattered, but it was an interesting metric for them. They also invited those men that they just dumped the information of to file a class action against Avid Life to claim damages. And I'll admit, I feel like you don't see this too often. I feel like, usually, the users are just disregarded. But here, you see the Impact team trying to stick it to Avid Life twofold. First, here's their failure to provide a service to you. Now, to hit Avid when they're down, I'm gonna make sure everyone that we just exposed knows they can sue you, Avid Life. In the coming days, it would come out that these were, in fact, genuine data dumps. The information was acquired from Ashley Madison and verified to be real user information. And the public was starting to have a field day with this, too. As people became aware of just how big the data dumps were, and how much there was to sift through, sites started popping up that let anyone search for data to see if their significant other, or anyone that they knew, was involved. 
services that would find that information for you appeared, and it seemed like all these men that were hiding in the shadows of a website were now brought into the light completely. And I want to jump a bit forward here just for one second and expand on that. Think about it, if that came out right now, and you were married, would you go check? I have a feeling that the answer would be no for a lot of people. And a lot of the men on the website were probably counting on that, thinking that their wife would never assume they were cheating on them. But the impact group wouldn't be the only person trying to wreck things. So even if your wife never suspected and never searched on the website for you, there was still one more chance that you might have been exposed. You see, hackers, scammers, and those that were looking to make money started to use the data dumps to blackmail people. Within a week of all of this, by the end of August, users on the website were being blackmailed and threatened under a penalty of exposure to their family and loved ones. These people were aiming to make a profit off of this and saw a gleaming opportunity. And it's likely that given the availability of the data and the amount of people who had it, that more than one extorter might go after the same person. The whole thing was really starting to escalate. And as if that wasn't bad enough, in that same week following the attack, things continued to get worse for Ashley Madison. On the 20th, the Impact team released a second dump of data. This time, it was internal data like email logs, source codes for the application, and even the complete email history of Biederman, that CEO we were talking about. One of the things that was in the source code of that application were hard-coded passwords, meaning that it was very easy to find what username and passwords that Ashley Madison used across her applications. Typically, these are encrypted in separate configuration files or somewhere a little less accessible, but the way it was presented here, they were easy to find, insanely and completely improperly used. And then comes the second punch. Three days after that, they got hit again. This time, it was back to the user data, but specifically the government accounts that had been registered, as well as the user information from several sovereign states for some reason. And it was on the 24th of August that one of the prophecies of the Impact team came to pass. The class action lawsuit on behalf of the users came in force. A $578 million class action lawsuit began on behalf of the exposed users and all those that used the paid delete service. This would culminate in Ashley Madison agreeing to pay $11.2 million to settle litigation in just the United States alone. All in all, everything the Impact team said would happen was coming to be. Ashley Madison didn't shut down the website, the data was dumped and proved real, pretty much any internal record that was important came out along with it, and not only did Ashley Madison need to pay out the lawsuit, they needed to pay in the form of a reputation hit. Not that the reputation of a site that solicited affairs was great to begin with, but prior to this, no one really contested their ability to keep their data private. After this big of a public scandal, it's hard to imagine recovering to any kind of profit margin they were hitting before. And speaking of profit, in my research here, I found that Ashley Madison had been preparing for an initial public offering, an IPO, getting ready to trade publicly on the stock market. I'd say that this burned any possibility there and did literally untold amounts of damage in the form of profit never seen. So yeah, good haul for the impact team, I'd say. They did work well done in terms of what they wanted to accomplish. So let's take a break there and talk about how the impact team actually got into the network. Because Vice's tech outlet, Motherboard, got an interview with someone on the impact team, and it's led to a lot more information about the attack, including how they got in and some of their motivations. When asked about how they actually got in, the impact team said that they worked very carefully to craft an attack that was, quote, undetectable. 
To me, that says that if it ran any kind of scan, it was slow and methodical. In a normal business, vulnerability scanning can be detected pretty easily if the right precautions aren't in place. There isn't much detail in here about the actual technicalities of it, but if they were as careful as they said they were, that would also mean being completely sure that they weren't giving away any trace of any kind of social engineering, or phishing campaigns that might have made it obvious something was going on to the users. And as a result of their reconnaissance campaign, what they found was an unbelievable lack of security. According to a member that was interviewed, the password that was used to get in from the internet into the network over a VPN was PASS1234, with a capital P. So an 8 character password that's super easy to guess and built into any major word list. When I say word list here, I'm talking about a pre-generated list of common passwords or leaked passwords that can be anywhere from 10 to 10 million passwords in length. These can be used in conjunction with a password attack software to try to make your way into a system or a network, but you need to be careful because most of the time, if you try too many passwords in a short amount of time, you'll tip yourself off. As I'm scripting this out, I just had an idea. I'm going to open up my own pen testing virtual box and see how many password lists I hit with that password. I can start at my word list directory and search for pass1234 and see how many hits are a match. And the command is inputted and my screen is now literally overrun with word lists that have this attached to it. I see common credentials, honeypot captures, leaked databases, xado password leaks, dutch password lists, default credentials list. I think Based on the number of entries here, if I spent an entire podcast listing each location it's been found in, that would probably take around 25 to 30 minutes of my time. So my point is this, you don't even need to be a good hacker to get in. You could just be some kind of script kitty pointing some very basic exploit tools at some of the infrastructure, and you would have gotten into Ashley Madison, just as long as it was configured to be slow and methodical, which, as we know, the Impact team was. Now, I'm not saying that the Impact team is made up of script kitties. In fact, they go out of their way to deny that in one of the interviews. For people who might not know what the term is, I think it's up to a bit of deliberation in the community, but really, in my opinion, it's someone that uses exploit tools without really knowing what they do. They just point this pre-built package at a device and hope that it works, and they don't bother to understand the technicalities or the details of why they're doing that. Even in that interview, the Impact team says, we're not skitties, as they called them. We are the real deal. And once the Impact team got in, what they found was that they had the highest permission already on several machines with that same password. There was effectively no security here. In their own words, they got in and found nothing to bypass. Usually an attacker might need to move across the network and find a different foothold. That's called pivoting or moving laterally before being able to get privileges as high as they had. But it seemed like once they were in, they effectively owned Ashley Madison. And when that Impact team member was confronted about the motivation for this, it seems like for them, Ashley Madison hitting 37 million was that big turning point. They wanted to prevent the next however million people from falling into this same trap and maybe destroying their marriage, or getting this level of treatment from Ashley Madison that was completely unethical. The Impact team had nothing but disdain for Biederman in the site. They offered a less than ethical service, implemented it poorly, and effectively extorted users when they wanted to leave. And guess what? There's one last bit of information about Biederman I didn't see coming when this was released, and I really don't remember it being reported on the news that much, but I think it was pretty great. 
Because remember, each and every email Biederman sent was dropped as a part of his data leak, so a lot of people were combing through that. Back in August, Noel Biederman and Ashley Madison were really trying to make themselves out to be the victims of this heinous internet cybercrime. Who would hack into an online dating website's database and steal customer information? It's just ludicrous. As it turns out, Noel Biederman would do that. Well, at least his company would. Because upon sifting through his emails, one email came to light wherein the founding chief technology officer had let Biederman know that a competing website called Nerve.com had a security vulnerability in it. One line in that email, quote, They did a very lousy job building their platform. I got their entire user base. Also, I can turn any non-paying user into a paid user, and vice versa. I can compose messages between users and check unread messages. So yeah, that happened. Biederman ended up meeting with them several months later, and it's unclear if he brought up the security hole, but imagine how he could have used that data to try to bring users over to his own platform, or make the other platform look bad. It's insane to me that in going through all this, something like that had come out, yet at the same time, given this kind of platform and the shady business going on, I'm also not surprised. It seemed like Biederman could have even taken down the site if he really wanted to. And... You know, to that point, it seemed like the Impact team, if they really wanted to, could have done a lot of damage and brought the site down themselves. So I'm kind of wondering if the whole point here was a little bit reputational for them. Or maybe they were just trying to avoid fiscal liability in some sense of destroying the site and equipment. But who knows? This is one of those stories where I don't know how to feel at the end of it all. I don't much have any empathy for the Ashley Madison crew here, if I'm being honest. It does suck to get hacked, but... I also don't agree with the entire premise of your app, so... If this attack brings anything to light, it's the collateral damage. Imagine how many families this tore apart, and at the end of it, there was also a cost of life. Two people died by way of suicide after having their information dumped here. And regardless of what you've done, that's a terrible way to see the ending of your story. Do I endorse the kind of vigilante hacktivism that the Impact team performed? Not entirely, but I have to wonder what the fate of everyone would be if it never happened. We'll never know, I guess, and the site is still up. It's still live and it's still around. You can go and visit it right now if you want. So there was one thing the Impact team didn't get, I guess, but who knows what the future holds. Like I said, frankly, I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't just cut the site themselves. And I'm going to cut it there. I know this wasn't the most technical episode we've had, it was pretty straightforward as to how they got in, and that poor security practices were to blame, but it read as a really interesting story to me, so I thought I'd share it with you all. Most people I know have the surface level knowledge that Ashley Madison got hacked, but I hope I shed some light on the extent of it all. I'm John Cordes, and thanks for listening to me explain what the shell happened to Ashley Madison. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. And as always, if you liked it, please leave a rating or review. Or if that's not something you really want to do, just maybe recommend it to a friend. If you want to come and talk to me directly, along with other fans of the show, I've got a link to our Discord in the description of the episode, and on the website, whattheshellpod.com. I'd love to meet and discuss things with you. It's also a great way to just give topic suggestions. Like I've been saying all season, I'm really looking to give you, the listener, a say in the episode, and this one came courtesy of my lovely wife. Lastly, like I said before, I've got a store now. So if you want a sticker for your laptop, a patch for your backpack, or maybe just a t-shirt, go take a look at store.whatvishellpod.com. That's it for today. I'll see you all again in two weeks.